If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Because I've been in this house. I've matured because I've been in this house. My marriage has matured and grown. My life has. And so if you're new here, welcome and get plugged in. The more you spend time in this house, the more you're going to see your life grow and be fruitful. It's, it's an amazing place with amazing people. And the more I'm here, the more I fall in love with this church and with the people and the staff. It's just a blessing. And so I encourage you, get here as much as you can, and uh, you'll fall in love with a place like me. Amen? Today we're going to continue on with the Route 66 series. Pastor Eric called me and said, hey, I need you to preach. I said, all right, I will uh, do that for you. And uh, the next one we're going to do is uh, 1 Kings is where we're going to be at today. Last week he preached out of 2 Samuel. Um, Me and my wife weren't here as much as I love being in the church. I guess last Sunday we weren't here. So uh, forgive us for that. But uh, her sister was in town and... um, her uh, sister said, hey, let's make a day trip to Austin and uh, let's go eat barbecue. And I said, that's almost like being in the church and being in heaven, so let's, <laughs> let's go for barbecue. And, um, and so this week I, I got to uh, listen to Pastor Eric's podcast and listen to Second Samuel again and, and listen to the message. And so I encourage you, if you have an exciting encounter of going to get barbecue one Sunday by chance, you can go to our website and we have these amazing things called podcasts. You download them, they're for free, you listen to the sermon, and you get blessed all over the place. You can be at work, you could be on the road, you could be at your house, just have it playing, and you can encounter God in the church even right there. So there's over two, 300 sermons on there, and so you can hear a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of God in a long list of time. So uh, definitely check those podcasts out. I encourage you to do that. Before we jump into 1 Kings, I'm going to go ahead and spit on the pulpit and let me wipe that off. And then we're going to go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for your house. Thank you so much for your church and thank you for the people that make up your church, Father. I thank you that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you that you are preparing our hearts to receive this word today, Father, that it won't return void, but it will accomplish what you want it to do today, Father. I ask you to prepare me to present this message and give it to them, Father. I thank you that it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's only by your spirit, Father. I think you were two or more gathered that there you are in the midst, Father. And so I ask for your spirit to reside in this place today. And even as I'm preaching, even as I'm speaking, Father, I ask for miracles to start working behind the scenes, that healings occur, that financial miracles occur, that salvations occur, that your voice and your name is being proclaimed into each and every one of our hearts today, Father. And I thank you that this word will go out and it will change us and transform us as we step out in faith in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. So with Route 66, what we've been doing is we have three different stops that we're going to make in the book of 1 Kings. We're going to do our memento where we learn something from the book of 1 Kings. And then we're going to do our attraction. We're going to stop by uh, just this one little cool story and we're going to take it on and just look at it and enjoy it and smile at it, take a selfie with it. We're just going to really get into it. And then lastly, we're going to experience the person of Jesus in the book of 1 Kings. You know, Jesus just isn't in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, The whole book is actually about him. Um, You hear Pastor Eric saying that it's just sometimes he's hiding And it's really fun when you get to find him uh, in these books. Uh, You know, when I was younger, you don't read the Old Testament because it's it's boring. Let's be honest. If we read Genesis because there's creation and there's fun stuff, we then we jump over to like Exodus and then Joshua Judges, and uh, they got Ruth. That's a girl book, so you want to skip that one, you know. And uh, then you go to Psalms and you want to read some of those songs, and you want to hear the Proverbs of King Solomon and. 
And then you got the book of Jeremiah, which was named after me. So you have to just dive into that and read it. But then you just flip as quick as you can to the red letters because that's where the power is. That's where it is. You just stay there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll learn everything. And it's true. You will learn a lot of things. But if you dive into these smaller books that seemingly hide in the Old Testament, you'll find some amazing truths. You'll find that Jesus is just as clear in those books as he is in the red letters. So I'm going to show you that uh, at the end of the service, and uh, we're going to have some fun with it. So um, we're going to start off with the memento, and we're actually going to jump back into 2 Samuel first, and we're going to talk about King David. And we're going to talk about how King David was faithful even up to his death. And we see in 2 Samuel, we'll start in verse 12 of uh, chapter 7, And this is uh, the prophet Nathan actually talking to King David. And he says, When the days be fulfilled that thou shalt sleep with thy fathers when he passes away, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels. That sounds painful. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. And if he commit any iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. You see, this is David as he's king and he's reigning and he recognizes that his God doesn't have a house. And he says, God, I want to build you a house. God says, oh, that's so sweet, but pump the brakes. Got a lot of bloodshed on your hands. You can't build the house. So prophet Nathan comes up to him and he says, listen, you can't build the house of God. It's a great idea. God's really appreciative. But what he's going to do is let your son build the house. So okay. And he says, also, If you abide by my words and my commandments, and your sons abide by my words and commandments, there will always, I say always be, somebody in your family in the kingdom, controlling the kingdom of Israel. So that excites David. And he says, okay, I can step out in faith on that. So he hears this word throughout his life, and he says, okay, my son is going to take over. My son's going to build a temple. My son's sons, my grandsons, my great-grandsons, my great-great-great-great-grandsons will stay in the house if they abide to the truths of God. So he's stepping out in faith, and he's believing these things. And as we open up the book of 1 Kings, King David is passing away. He's old at this time. He's very sick. He's laying in bed, and he calls his son, King Solomon, into his room. And these are the last words he says before he dies. And we see in 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die, and he charged Solomon, his son, saying, go the way, I will go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whatsoever thou turnest thyself into that the Lord may continue his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth and all their heart with all their souls, there shall not fail thee a man on the throne of Israel. So even on his deathbed, the very last thing he's saying to Solomon is the promise of God that he was told many, many years ago. He's reminding, he's telling Solomon what God told him, and he's reminding God as well what he told him. God says, David says, I'm about to die, and God, I just want you to know, and I want my son to know, and I want everybody to know what you told me you were going to do. And so I'm stepping out in faith as I pass from this life and I leave this earth. You're eternal, God. You're forever. You're never dying. You're never changing. And this is what you said. And so as I leave this earth, I expect that you're going to go out and perform your word. And I'm speaking it out into existence. And then we see in 1 Kings 5, verse 5, we see Solomon getting the okay to build the temple. 
And this is King Solomon, his son, saying, And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. David's been gone and dead a couple years now. And now we see Solomon stepping out in the word that was promised to his father that God is fulfilling. And if you read the book of Kings, the next couple chapters, it is, describes the detail of this temple. If it describes the blessing and the different kings that gave to King Solomon to build the temple, the gold, the silver, the jewels, the cedars of Lebanon, whatever those were, those were so important back in the day. If you read the Old Testament, the cedars of Lebanon were like, I don't even know. They were like Bentleys of trees. These were, these were legit trees that only the, the higher-ups could use. And he's building this temple that his father had believed and trusted that what God said would be faithful. And even though I pass away, you're still going to be faithful to your word. And we see the miracle occurring. And then we jump a couple years forward after King Solomon passes away. His son passes away. And we see that some things haven't gone so good in the book of Kings and in the world of Israel. You see, these kings start taking on other gods and worshiping other gods and doing their thing. And it's a sad, sad story because it says this king did more evil than the king before him. And it just repeats this process. This king did more evil. It's like a competition. Who can be the worst king in Israel? Me, me, me. I can do it. You did this, I'll do this. I'll do this more. You killed this many people, guess what? I'll kill more people. You worshiped one other god, I'll worship all the other gods. I'm going to win. Top ten. Hashtag me. The worst. <laughs> but we see something interesting. Almost after every time it says, this person did evil in the sight of the Lord, it says this in 1 Kings 15 in reference to one of the kings. Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Habajam to Sorry name for him. Over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Talks about his mother and his daughter. And he walked in all the sins of his father. How great is that to be known of? That's my son. He walked in all of my sins. Love him and take care of him. It's a terrible reference to have, but this is what he does. He walks in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. Nevertheless... For David's sake did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem, because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him as the days of his life, except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Many, 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 many years later, decades later, Israel's in shambles. Kings are doing whatever they want. And God says, I'm still going to be faithful to my King David. I'm still going to be faithful to what he said. And the memento that we're taking from this today is as you remain faithful to God, God will always, I repeat, always remain faithful to you. As you remain faithful to God and you believe every word that he says, it doesn't matter what's going to happen in your future. It doesn't matter what's, going to, what's looking it like in front of you. If you remain faithful to God, God will always, always, always remain faithful to you. We see in Hebrews 11, it's known as the Hall of Fame, the book or the chapter that talks about the great works of men and women that serve God. And it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, 
But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. David is on his deathbed at this moment, and he's saying, God, you told me. God, you promised me. I'm about to die. I'm minutes away, and I haven't seen the fulfillment of what you said. But I believe when I die, it's still going to happen. I don't care if I die. I don't care what happens after this. You said it. It's going to happen, and I believe it. If you remain faithful, God will always remain faithful to you. It says in Hebrews 11 as well, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we have to assume that the opposite would also be true. With faith, it's possible to please God. I like that a lot better. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling here. But when you flip it, with faith, it's possible to please God. It gets me more excited about that. Just with faith, it's possible. It's possible. If anything's possible. Amen. You're giving me a door. You're giving me just a slimmer of hope that it can change. My situation can change if I believe you, God. You see, this morning, as I was trying to sleep, I thought it was God coming into my room, but it was the thunder and the lightning. I thought an angel had come into my room, but it was just the lightning and, and the thunder everywhere. It was just this big storm, and it's just raining, and it's, and it's just pouring, and it's just, it's just this big, nasty storm. And it got me thinking, you know, the storm itself is big and strong, and it's got this willpower that it's going to blow through everything no matter what it's going through. It didn't come over McKinney and stop and be like, oh, I don't need to be that bad of a storm. I'm in McKinney. I just need to tiptoe my way through McKinney, and when I hit Plano, I'm going to hit it like a freight train. I'm just going to blow through it and show it how powerful I am, how good I am, because I am a storm. No, it went over all of Dallas as strong and as wide open as it could because it knew who it was and it didn't care what it encountered because it was a storm and it was going to do what it was supposed to do. We have a saying here that says, be who you are and do what you do. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, what you're going over and what you're going through. You are a storm in a powerhouse in the name of Jesus and that power behind it will take you where you need to go and it doesn't matter because you'll go over it every time. Because if you remain faithful to God, he'll always remain faithful to you. And that's just our memento. Now we have the attraction. Something to stop by and see and enjoy. So we have the story. As we have the kings going on in 1 Kings, we get to about 1 Kings 16, 17, and the prophet Elijah shows up on the scene. By this time... There's the worst king of the worst kings, King Ahab, and he's got even a worse wife, Jezebel. We've all heard the jokes of Jezebel. We've probably called a woman Jezebel a time or two. You know, they got that spirit of Jezebel and just got to <laughs> cast it off. This woman was, I mean, I've met some not-so-nice women, but Jezebel, man, she's killing prophets of God. She's worshiping other gods. I mean, I ain't met a woman like that yet, and I hope I don't, but she was a bad, bad lady. And so prophet Elijah shows up on the scene, and he walks into wherever King Ahab was, and he looks at him, he says, hi, my name is Elijah. Ahab says, okay. And he says, because you haven't served the Lord your God, and your wife is terrible, it's not going to rain until I say so. Nice meeting you. I'll see you later. <laughs> he 
He walks out. I mean, that's, drops the mic. He just beast. Jezebel is angry. She is, she is hot. Ahab is hot. And it just stops raining. Back then, rain was important. You know, we didn't, we didn't have the, little, the water spouts. We didn't have the, you know, the drought signs like we have here. They needed rain back then. They were a, a culture of farming and animals. The rain was important. And so Elijah leaves, and he goes to this brook where God tells him to go. To hang out in the brook, ravens are going to feed you, some bread, some flesh, fried chicken, we're sending it. Don't worry, it's going to be taken care of. Well, eventually, the brook dries up. And he's like, okay, what do we do next, God? And God says, hey, go to this town. There's going to be a woman there. She's going to take care of you. She's going to feed you. Elijah says, amen, home cooking. Tired of the ravens throw up? It's time to eat some home cooking. We're going to have some mashed potatoes and gravy, some country fried steak, maybe some prime rib. It's going to be good, God. You've been providing me with food, so it can only get better. So thank God we're about to grub. He's he's rolling. He's walking. Come on, here we go. He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have Instagram. He can't look at this woman's pictures. He can't find her on the internet. Does she have a a restaurant, maybe five-star, maybe a a four-star restaurant, you know, thumbs up, no? Is Yelp giving her some reviews? Can't find her at all. So he walks into the town. He's probably asking Hey, where's this lady? Yeah, I know she cooks. Going to somebody, the big person. Hey, you look like you've been eating good. Is it from her? Don't lie. Is it from her? No? Okay. That's her? Over there? Okay. So he walks up to this lady, and it says that she's picking up sticks. And he starts conversing with her, and he finds out that she doesn't own a restaurant, and she's really not that good of a cook because she has no food. And she says... I'm gathering the sticks because I'm, I'm going to make one more little meal and me and my family's going to eat it and we're going to die. And I feel like Elijah at this time is, come on, God, like, wh- come on. You just fed me from ravens and now you bring me to this woman that can't even cook. She ain't got no food. But he stepped out in faith enough to get to the city. He stepped out in faith enough to find the lady And all of that, to the point, had matched up to what God said. So he said, oh, what? I'll take it one step further before I go somewhere else. He says, God, he says, listen, lady, you make me one little small cake. Just make me a little little Triscuit, a little Ritz cracker, just just a little communion wafer, just something that I can just stick in my tongue, just something. He says, and God will provide for you. He says, your flour will never run out, your oil will never run out. Until it starts raining again, you'll be taken care of. And the woman, man, this crazy dude just walked out of nowhere. Imagine what the woman's doing. I mean, she's all emotional. She's trying to take care of her family. She's picking up sticks. She's, she's trying to figure out what to do. How am I going to deal with my kids dying in front of me? What, like, just imagine the emotion, the stress. And then here comes this guy. Hey, what's up? Make me some food. And her being totally thrown off by it. And Okay. And he says one more time. He says, just make me a small cake. Just a small cake and watch what God will do. Thankfully, she obeys. She makes a small cake. She brings it to him. And it says from that point on that the oil and the flour are filled up, overflowing, doesn't run out until the drought ends, just like what God had said. It's amazing that with one little small cake, there's this massive miracle that takes place. Just from just an itty-bitty, tiny, itty-bitty step of stepping out there and believing God provides a miracle. So I want to ask the church today, what if the church had big faith? If a small, itty-bitty step of faith 
produced a big life-changing miracle for Elijah and the woman and her family. What if us as a church, who we affect tons of people, stepped out with big faith? Big miracles would start occurring, and when big miracles start occurring, people start recognizing that there's something different about you, there's something different about me, and when they start recognizing, they say, your life changed, my life sucks, so how can it change like yours? Well, come to church, I'll show you. And they start coming into church, they get affected, and it starts changing them, and the miracles start happening in them because they stepped out in faith because of your faith, and it starts this chain reaction, and the church grows and booms, and the revival continues over and over again because we continue you to have faith in God. Have faith in God. What would big faith do? What if you believe for that, that in your mind? What if that struggle that you seemingly can't overcome that you were talking about on the way to church with your wife or your husband, what if by stepping out in faith you could change that, you could break it? What if that person could get saved because of you? Why do we keep hoping and wishing these things would occur and start actually believing like they already have by faith? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What if we start believing that big miracles are real and our God is big enough to save us? What would happen? Churches would be full. Lives would be changed. And last I checked, that was the goal of the gospel. I could be wrong, though. Could be wrong. And the last thing we have, it's real exciting, the person of Jesus. No red letters in 1 Kings, I checked. I mean, I, was, I went through it real fast, and no red letters, he didn't talk. I was like, oh, man, this is awkward. He's not here, I called Pastor Eric. He's not here. He's not in 1 Kings. I didn't find him. Sorry. This would be a real short service. He's not in 1 Kings. Then I started digging a little deeper, and there he was. Like, where's Waldo? He's like, hey, found him, found him. And when he, find, he, he finally shows up in 1 Kings 18. And this is, uh, this is a cool story, and you've probably heard it before. Finally, after all the excitement with uh, the prophet Elijah, God speaks to Elijah, and he says, you know what, go talk to Ahab, tell him it's going to rain. And that's got to be like, if that was me, like, I'd be probably a little prideful there. It hadn't rained in three years. He walked into, like, he walked into the White House and told the president, it's not going to rain until I say so, and walked out without Secret Service killing him, without anybody hurting him. He just walked in and walked out and didn't show up for like three years, and here he is again, walking back in. Hey, Ahab, remember me? You've probably been trying to find me and kill me. You haven't. I'm still alive. God's been feeding me. Raven vomit, small cakes. Little details. God's good. He says, God says it's going to rain, but before we do that, we're going to have a little competition. Between my God, who said it wasn't going to rain and it hasn't, and your God, Baal, who really hadn't done anything in the last three years. So, but you get all your prophets together. I'm just going to show up, me, and uh, we're going to build two altars. He said, we're going to get all the people in the area, and we're going to see who the real God is. He says, so you make a sacrifice to your prophet with your prophets and to Baal. I'm going to make a sacrifice to the one true God. Whichever God answers, that's the God we're going to serve. Simple, simple thing. No overtime. We're not going to have subs. We're not, we're not going to do all that. It's a simple game. My one versus your one. Whoever wins, wins. So Ahab says, I like that idea. Let's do that. 
So they call ESPN, they get Fox Sports, they get all the live cameras showing up. People are interviewing and talking to everybody. Elijah's ready. He's like, you know what? I'm going to let the prophets of Baal go first. Y'all go first. There's a bunch of them. There's 450 of them to one Elijah. He says, y'all go ahead. Y'all prepare y'all sacrifice. Y'all do what y'all have to do. He says, I'll wait, and then I'll go last. Which is amazing faith right there, because there might be just, I mean, I'm human. So I would like to think that I wouldn't have the struggle, but there would be this 1% chance of, man, what if that God shows up first? That's going to be real bad if they show up first and his sacrifice gets answered and I'm going last. But he steps out in faith and says, you know what? Y'all do what y'all got to do. I know my God's going to answer and I'm going to win either way. So eat your heart out. And we see in this story up to the point before Elijah builds his sacrifice is what the world was before Jesus shows up. You see, it's been a famine for three years. It's dry, it's deserted, it's dusty, animals are dying, people are dying. It's not a good scene. When sin entered the world, death and destruction entered in. There was death, there was destruction, there was pain. There was just a dryness because the relationship with God was separated right there. And the people are hungry and they're crying out to be refreshed and crying out for rain. It's not coming. So the prophets of Baal, they start preparing the sacrifice. And as they prepare it, they get it ready. And it says they cut the bull up and they put it on the the sacrifice and they just start hooting and hollering to to their God, Baal. Come on, Baal, here we go, here we go now. Come on down, come on down, nothing's happening. Elijah's in the corner over here, and he's kind of cracking jokes, doing a little one-two combo on him, and he's like, maybe your God is, like, sleeping, and they're screaming louder. Maybe you need to scream louder to wake him up. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's eating. You know, he's just doing little jabs there. And then it says that the prophets of Baal go to a whole new level, and uh, you thought snake handling in a church was crazy. These guys start cutting themselves, and it says in the Bible, they started cutting themselves until they started gushing blood. Gushing blood. Who wants to go to that church? Forget the snakes. This is how we worship. We hand you a knife when you walk in and an offering envelope, let's be honest. Don't put the blood in the offering envelope. You just, you just gush it out all over the stage, the worship team. We're just going to celebrate and worship, worship our God, the blood gushers. That's who we are. You're more than welcome. You come once, you probably die before the service is over. And so they're gushing blood, and and their God is not doing anything. And it's just like before Christ showed up. You see, man tried to do all he could to reach God. He tried all these different works. He tried hooping and hollering. He tried saying all these things. He tried doing all these things. He even tried to use his blood to save himself. He even tried to give his blood to Jesus and God. He said, look. I'm shedding my blood, God. Doesn't that do anything? God says, no. Man's blood cannot satisfy this. There's only one man's blood that can satisfy. It says in 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God, the man, Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ. So he is the only one that can shed the blood. He's the only one that can appease the sacrifice. He's the only one that can bring rain and restoration to the world. Yes. Amen. 
So after the prophets of Baal do their thing, and they've got to be in a heap of bloody, piled mess for hours and hours, and nothing happens. And they say, you know what, Elijah, you go ahead and do your thing. And Elijah says, thank you, I was waiting on that. So it says that Elijah, it says he kneels down, and he starts rebuilding the altar of the Lord. He starts fixing and repairing the altar of the Lord that was on Mount Carmel. And it says he takes 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Judah, and he stacks them in a row, and he builds this sacrifice. And up to this point, this sacrifice represents Jesus because he comes out of the 12 tribes of Judah, the same 12 stones that Elijah builds to fix and repair the sacrifice. Jesus comes out of the 12 tribes of Judah to fix and repair not only the tribes of Judah, but the entire world. And as Elijah builds and restores the sacrifice, he just doesn't build it. He takes it to an extreme that only God can do with this sacrifice. He says, you know what, let's build a sacrifice. He cuts the bull up, puts it on there, he puts the, the sticks on there so it'll burn. You got to make the barbecue right, some nice different types of wood and charcoal. And he says, you know what, build a moat. So they dig like a two, three foot moat. He says, let's put some water there. So they dump four buckets of water on this thing. There is no way that any human can secretly, magically, emotionally, physically make this sacrifice work. It's covered in water. It's completely drenched. The wood's not going to light. There's nothing that man can do to help this sacrifice do what it needs to do. Lo and behold, we have Jesus as the perfect sacrifice, who's the only one that could do what only he could do. We couldn't do anything. It's the perfect sacrifice set up. And as he finishes building this sacrifice, it says he looks up to heaven and he prays. And we read his prayer in 1 Kings 18, verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again towards you. So we have him right before the sacrifice occurs, him praying this prayer. We jump forward into the book of John in the New Testament and we go to John 17 and we see another man praying right before he becomes a sacrifice. And Jesus himself makes this prayer, which sounds kind of similar if you read it. And this is Jesus talking, red letters. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth, and I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me in thy own self, and with the glory which I had before the world was. Isn't it amazing? Elijah's praying right before the sacrifice occurs. Jesus himself prays almost the exact prayer to his father right before he goes to the cross and sacrifices for me and you. And it says, as soon as Elijah finished praying, fire from heaven comes down. And that fire consumes. And when I say consumes, it completely takes over the entire sacrifice. It doesn't leave the water. It doesn't leave the stones. It doesn't leave the bull pieces. It doesn't leave the... It laps up everything 
and says it turns it to ash and completely consumes it, which is exactly what Jesus did for you. God says, man can't do this, so what I'll do is I'll come down to earth just like that fire did, and I will consume and pour out my entire wrath on this sacrifice. No one else will experience my wrath. I will give it completely to this sacrifice. And he consumes and pours everything out on the sacrifice and wraps it up in there and says, I'll take care of it. I'll be the one that restores and fixes the restoration of the relationship. And as soon as that happened, it says everyone fell down and worshiped the one true God. And as soon as that happened, the prophet Elijah pulled out his sword and he said, kill every one of them. And he killed every 451 of those prophets because as soon as the sacrifice was made and he said it was finished, then the death and destruction and evil of the world had to die. Just like when Jesus was on the cross and he said it was finished. He said it was finished. Death was gone. There was no more sting. There was no more victory in it. He kicked the grave wide open for you. He kicked it open for me because he that the sun sets free today is free indeed in the name of Jesus. Death and destruction was defeated. And then Elijah looks at Ahab. I would have been like, told you, got you. Beat you, checkmate. I said all kind of stuff. And he says, you know what? It's going to rain now. And so Elijah and his servant, they go up to the mountain. And he sends his servant to go look for, the, look for the rain. And he comes back seven times, six times. And he says, I don't see anything. It's a clear sky. It's wide open. Seventh time he came back and he says, Elijah, I saw a small cloud. He says, okay. So he went back down. He said, he said Ahab, King Ahab, he said, you might want to get in your chariot and go because it's about to rain. And in chapter 18, it says, as soon as he said that, a great rain, a great rain poured upon the town, the village, the city, and the drought was done. Before the sacrifice was consumed, it was dry, it was barren, and it was dead. As soon as the sacrifice was consumed, there was something that changed in the atmosphere. There was something that changed in the world at that moment. And all of a sudden, there was fresh restoration. All of a sudden, there was a communication with God and man as they recognized who the true God was. When Jesus said it was finished, there was something that changed. God himself ripped, ripped the temple wide open and said, now you can come boldly into my throne of grace. You can walk in now. There's no more dryness. There's no more death in the relationship because he that the Son has set free is free indeed. You can come in. You can encounter eternal life. Now is time for the freshness, the restoration, the rain to just flow in your life. And we see the Apostle Paul talking about it in Acts. Acts 3, verse 18 and 19. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. <clears throat> Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You see, Elijah had no idea at that moment what was going to happen. He's completely standing out there in faith, making this declaration hey, you build a sacrifice, I build a sacrifice, God shows up, then we'll worship him. He doesn't have first kings to rely on. He doesn't, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's expecting God to show up by all means and has faith and believes in it, but he doesn't know. And boom, God shows up. And the entire time he's doing this story, what he's doing is telling the gospel to the whole nation of Israel by doing what he's doing and telling us that there's a refreshing season coming. 
And then we see Paul or Peter referencing in Acts. He says, the prophets told you about this. The prophets told you exactly what Jesus was going to do for you. So now that refreshing season of rain is open to each and every one of us. Everyone in that area, everyone on that mountain, everyone in that village, everyone in the area of Israel experienced that rain that day as they all looked up to heaven and said, thank you, God. There was no race, there was no color. Rain pours on people. It doesn't change whether you're white, black, red, purple, boy, girl. It doesn't matter. That rain falls on each and every one of us. All we have to do is look up and re- get refreshed. Amen? So today, out of everything, I've come to say, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Every story you just heard in 1 Kings was somebody having faith in God that he was going to show up. I don't know how. I don't know when. You remain faithful to God. I guarantee He will always remain faithful to you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. To be standing up here on this pulpit speaking these words is amazing. Is a testimony of faith to anyone. If you would ask my family in Louisiana, if you'd ask me, the story of how I got here to standing up here on this pulpit doing this thing is amazing. And it all started with me having faith in God. And every time I've taken a step of faith. It's brought me into a deeper relationship with him and brought me into a deeper blessing with him. And when I look back, I'm so thankful for where he's taken me out of. And I look at it and I think, God, where, like, how did I get here? And every time I look forward, it's a bigger step of faith, but I have to take it because I want to be so close to him. And I just keep making those steps over and over again because he hasn't failed me yet. He hasn't failed me yet. There might have been days where I've looked and I've thought, God, where are you? What's going to happen? But I look back a week later, a day later, a month later, and I say, you haven't failed me yet. You've always shown up. So I'll take that next step. No matter how big it is, no matter how hard it is, they're going to get saved. They're going to get healed. My debt is free. I am saved. I am recovered. I am healed. I am going to walk in the fullness of God because you haven't failed me yet. And if you haven't failed me today, you're not going to fail me tomorrow. And you're not going to fail me the next day. I will have faith and I will believe that you're going to meet me where I'm at. Have faith in God. All of that to say, have faith in God. And as we bow our heads today, I want to speak to maybe someone who hasn't even put their faith in God yet. I don't ever want to leave an opportunity of me telling all these stories and having the potential of somebody not knowing what I'm talking about or who this Jesus is because he's changed my life. He's blessed my life. If he's blessed me, a little old Cajun boy from Louisiana, he's going to bless you. So I always want to make the opportunity for you to meet my Savior today. He's so good. He's poured out his love for you. He died on the cross for you. It's simple. It's the gospel. It's 1 Corinthians 15. It says that Christ died for your sins and he was buried in a tomb and he rose again for you on the third day. And in Romans it says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart those truths, those simple truths that you're saved and you're a part of the kingdom. 
And I don't want to be so ignorant just to assume that we're all in church and we're all a part of the kingdom. I always want to make the opportunity and the offer. And If you've never encountered Jesus, if you say, I don't think I'm a follower of God, I don't think I'm one of these sons and daughters that you talk of, and I just want to, I want to meet him. My life is going in a different direction, and, and you make it sound like there's, there's hope and there's a future, and I want to meet that in person. I want to meet that man because it says there is one God, one mediator, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the one that can change everything. Not a man behind the pulpit. I'm just telling you about the man that changed my life, and I want you to meet him today. And if you've never met him before, would you, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, would, between me, you, and God, would you just be so honest to just raise your hand and say, you know what, I, I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray with me that I could be the one that could receive and experience God today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11 and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.